Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Today, we are going to talk about research. Um, and just researching for a story, we've been talking about historical fiction. And so historical fiction requires often a lot more research than other types of fiction or other genres, but really research can, um, really fill out any story and it can help us to gain ideas or insight, um, and to just make a story have more flesh and feel more real. So I know this is one of Laura's favorite things. <laughs> so I'm excited what you bring to this conversation. Thank you. I was wondering though, like I, I just, I know that we've talked about, or I think that you posted about the weird things that um, authors have to Google. And I was just wondering, like, do you have a funny thing that you've had to Google? Cause I, I have or any that you're like, this is the weirdest thing I have to research. <laughs> I've had to research. I, I know for me, like I've had to research like weird things like, you know, food, like food in, in Papua New, New Guinea and what, what is they ate and how they made, like how they, actually made food and like there were these weird little traveling kitchens that they had and someone actually <laughs> had one like and they did a an entire video on what it looked like and what they could huh. make like they could make things like biscuits and like I'm, I'm like in world war ii they are <laughs> in papua new guinea and they could make like all these crazy things and you're like okay I mean they probably didn't make them on a regular basis <laughs> but it was just kind of one of those things that I'd never really thought about um yeah. and that kind of like the reality of it blew my mind a little bit um, yeah that's so interesting yeah I was kind of drawing a blank when you first said that I feel like there's always these random like things like I do know I researched like poisonous spiders and yeah like I did a lot of research on animals that are poisonous or have poisons and how to extract them in ways that then humans could use them right. <laughs> <For a> fantasy <laughs> project <laughs> my character was a little bit of an alchemist and I needed her to to make poisons um I love that yeah <laughs> or like I have a character in a book right now who's obsessed with like different types of insects apparently I have an insect kit going on <laughs> Like I need it. she's constantly like telling random facts so I'm I'm regularly having to look up like okay what's something interesting about ants or oh, I, I love that I I love characters that get to just geek out on something because like yeah. it's it is really fun because it, mm -hmm. it gives kind of that natural that natural way of including fun facts that can be really fascinating and interesting yeah. and into a book and you can learn something too which is really fun I, I love when there's a word that I like didn't know you know mm -hmm. I, there was something about like what the little cage is and of course I've forgotten the the actual 
name of it but uh, like around a champagne bottle like the thing that keeps the cork uh-huh, in place yeah. and there, there an author was telling a story about how like it took you know the process of finding um what the word was for that because <laughs> the book she was writing required like that to be knowledge that was just readily uh-huh. available and and i i love that about it's just writing in general is is we get questions and then all yeah, of a sudden yeah. like we have to go and check something and and that's especially when writing historical fiction there's kind of a little bit of that ebb and flow of the there's the broader research of like figuring out the setting getting to a level that you can actually write about the experiential of the place mm-hmm. of the culture you know as we talked about in the last one of the mindset of the people of kind of what society is like expectations roles when we get down to like phrases and words that gets a little more fun like into the like the okay how would they have said that um and it it is for me it's been interesting because figuring out how to get even the like how people spoke, Mm. how that's, it's been a challenge because right now I'm doing World War II, I'm doing several different like groups of people that come from different places. So there's most people in Australia are going to, within the story are going to be within Sydney. So at least that's geographically specific, but the ones US soldiers are going to be from different places um, within the country. So finding how each of them kind of speaks mm. from a phrase perspective without going too far down the rabbit hole has been sure. fun. It, it's interesting. There's like a, <laughs> someone wrote a, for British shoulders, um, how to speak Australian, basically like Australian <laughs> slang. It's great. It's this glossary That's of great. like, when they say this, like um, it means this. And, and even, some of my sisters have helped with the getting kind of direct feedback of yeah. would this word be used? Would this word not be used? Um, yeah. And for research, I think knowing that there's kind of all these different layers of resources that you can go to, you can go to the people who have the knowledge, like you can go to places, you know, like newspapers, magazines, ads, things that are directly within that time, and, um, mm. things like movies, music, um, things that kind of were created during the time frame and give you a good feel of it. Yeah. Pictures, which I, I pictures are one of those things that being able to really see. Sure, what, makes a big difference. Like, yeah, it can, can really help with kind of figuring out um, maps as well of different Mm -hmm. locations and kind of figuring out even where to go for those type of maps locations sometimes just just doing some research of okay I'm interested in this area I'm interested in this thing what what's available there is there a library is there a historical society from this well and was there at that time like you've been there maybe now but you have to kind of look at it from a different angle do you have favorite places to go for that or like do you just go to google like what's your 
Yeah, so I um, I do have some favorite places. So I, what I would say is there's like, there are historical societies like within mm-hmm. a geographic location that you can look up and they might have resources, they mm-hmm. might be online. Um, you might have personal websites though, as mm-hmm. well that are kind of connected with something. So definitely looking a little broader and Googling, like even just Googling um, your location, your time frame, any of those things can really help. If you are still like at the beginning of just like trying to get an idea for the place, probably you'll have a lot more broader questions. So sure. finding those things early is sometimes helpful because then you yeah. can kind of start to funnel down and really say, do I, what kind of details do That's I want? Really yeah, it makes me and think then, of, oh, there was a masterclass. Um, David Baldacci. Baldacci. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, David Baldacci has um, stuff in his masterclass about making these binders. And so when he starts a project, he does all this research up front and makes these like binders of all these references and sources and interviews he's done with people. And it was so much more work than I would ever do, but it was really fascinating to hear him like talk about gathering that information first and like general broad information first yeah. in this notebook. And then kind of as he's writing, paring that down to like, okay, what's really necessary from this and what's not. And then also like, yeah. as more questions come up as he gets deeper into the work, then like looking those up at that time. Um, it was kind of fascinating to me. I think, I think it's a really interesting system. Yes. Not I, 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 <laughs> I think it can go, I think it can go overboard. Like, and I, well, think and that's it, what he talks about too. Like you yeah. kind of have to be careful, but he, I like the yeah. idea though, of like filling your mind and then setting yes. it aside. Like I th- if yes. I remember him kind of talking about that, like he kind of goes through all this research, makes this binder and then yeah. he sets it aside and like what stuck with him is what kind of yes. comes out in the writing. And then if he needs to go look something up or there's a question that comes up later, then he can go look for it. Can, but I think yeah. sometimes we can get a little bit like authors can get too into the research yes. and they want to put every bit of research into the book and yes. then just bog everything down. Which I think is the problem as well with historical research, because yeah. if you do too much of it, you will want to like recoup the time that you spent yeah. and you can't put it in. Like you can't yeah. put it all in because it will literally start being a story about that rather than about the actual story that you're writing. So I, for me, I, I did a lot of, since there's not a ton of stuff to even be able to grab. um, I was, I was a little lucky in that it, it, naturally kept the pool of information available to me pretty small. Um, But even so, like I ended up going up on, Australian War Memorial website, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. War War Memorial websites, different museums. My sisters actually went to some museums and then passed on like weird things that they noticed. You're right. That's a great, great reference or resource. And now with with really the last two years, so many um, museums changed their systems to allow for a lot of online mm-hmm. interaction. Sure. Um, there's there's so many things that you can actually go in and see, you know, assuming that there's still the museum that you want is still yeah. like in that format. Um, there's, there's that potential for you to be able to go in and see things online that you might not have been able to see before. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really 
neat and cool that we have some of those things that are now kind of chronicled electronically and and maybe you have to pay for something to get access to it but sure. uh, stuff like that is so worthwhile and uh, what i from my experience i I'd, I'd say there's you know there's kind of that historical like the societies the you know historical professors like uh-huh. classes there's government type things and then there's there's things like memoir and there's things like personal letters that people put up. Some of the best things that I've found are these personal little moments that were captured and someone decided to put them online. Like Mm. one of the best resources I have of being able to sit with my setting is a camera footage that was like sold at a garage sale in San Francisco (laughs) in 1981 of someone's vacation reels from 1943 in Sydney just walking down the street Mm. and going on a trolley car and it's in color and Mm. so things like that looking for things from that broad sense but then filtering it down to what you need from a specific sense and using very key like and specific keywords Mm -hmm. so that you can start finding the things that you actually need I know lots of people do their outlines first and then go to like what they need to research after for me I did a lot of back and forth so Mm -hmm. I I don't have like a you have to stop researching after you know three months um, or something like that. I just let it organically open up and I knew what story I was telling. So it kind of also allowed a little bit of that back and forth. Yeah. I definitely had settings though that I found in the research that then made it into the book. Mm -hmm. I had weird details that made it into um, different conversations that I'm like, this is a very specific, unique thing that if it makes sense, I want to capture it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it, as you're gleaning through it, you're trying to find the, what is the important part? Like what is, you you can't put everything in. Like, so you're trying to find the little things that glint like to you personally, and that kind of fire you up and that you're like, oh, that was fascinating. Um, One of the weird things, just as an example, um, Anne was in, Melbourne going through a um, a museum there and she told me this story of how Anzac biscuits so what the Australian soldiers would be given for rations and they were they were really pretty terrible <laughs> like they were <laughs> really hard and when they were unable to have other options for food it was what kept them sustained it was sustenance um, they used them to like write postcards and like some would there's these it's an entire um little thing in the museum that shows all the ways Anzac biscuits were used some of them would use them as little canvases and you have these beautiful paintings um so you have a postcard written on it these this beautiful like mini painting on this Anzac biscuit that's it was used like crafted into another one was crafted into this like picture frame and it was sent back like there's these weird and beautiful like 
unique things to the stories and you think about the different soldiers who who created those things yeah. who were on the front lines painting I would have never guessed like yeah that's yeah. would paint of the skill like that well that's and so but cool. you think you think about how creative creativity mm. and and art can sometimes get us it through us. and yeah yeah and it, dark times. it felt so much like a a physical representation of, of that yeah, like a, yeah. in in reality so i it's something that crept into one of the conversations it's it's something that probably very few people would would even notice because it's only a couple lines of dialogue but it's something that um and it's it's something that kind of it's a story that character these characters tell each other um Mm. but it's it's something that to me like it stuck with me I sat yes. with it for about six months and I'm like, I feel like it needs to be somewhere. And then it naturally showed up. Like the, as I was writing something, it naturally like came up and I'm like, great. Okay. We're putting it in. Um, but it was one, one of those things that when you like stop and notice something, when something yeah. kind of like that sticks with you over time, I kind of try to do a lot of listening to that, to the yeah. intuitive, like what actually what is that unique story here? Like, what is that giving us something that we didn't have before? Um, and and a lot of that is that specificity and d- detail of that individual story, of that individual person. Um, there, there was a, oh, I, I love this. There was this wonderful, a bunch of interviews happened uh, in England of women who were, um, who were working within the, like, who basically were forced to choose between these different jobs because because mm. everyone had to do a war job um, within certain, if you sure. were within a certain age range, um, in, unless you had, like, something that got, that said, I have to do this job over here or I, I can't mm. do it for this reason. Um, so there was this woman who like had to choose between, I think it was like nursing and flying planes and electrician, like doing electrical work. And she shows doing the electrical work and she ended up um, working on a, like building ships um, (laughs) with, with like, she's going down in the riveting of this hole and putting in the electrical wiring mm. for these different cabins and it's she was talking about how she had to like go down this steep steep uh, ladder and like holding on to her toolbox and if she had fallen she would have been dead and it's it's the most fascinating story mm. i've never heard because yeah. it's something that i've i've never heard that that happened that they you know they were so there were so few people to do these jobs that literally they were saying okay you get to choose like you get get to choose or maybe you don't and this is the job you're doing and yeah so it was fascinating like that that's been really cool and interviews have been like the best source interviews Mm -hmm. of all sorts um I have a Jewish character um, from the U.S. who's in the book as well. And there's an entire, um, there was this great interview on basically 
kind of that that perspective. It was a bunch of different um, Jewish uh, World War II soldiers who were a bunch of different places. Thankfully, because mm. I'm, I'm my book does not play take place in Europe where most of the sure. research is, and it was fascinating getting that perspective. And that's another yeah. thing is jumping into those perspectives, seeing where you can get the first hand. If, if it's memoir, if it's interview, if you can find a person who's still alive and actually track mm. them down and have a conversation, that's ideal. Um, we did that with some of our family members since it's a family story that that yeah. there were actually people that we could have direct conversations with. Um, and that's, it's always interesting to see what the different people who were alive during that time yeah. say about the same time. Um, yeah. because you well, do they all get have that. their own lens and their Absolutely. own things that stand out to them. So, yeah, that's interesting. There's not one specific perspective. There's multiple yeah. um, ways of looking at things. And and that I think gives you the, like, that well-rounded, how do you get then your character's perspective on, mm. on this thing, their, their unique and individual perspective on it. Um, yeah. Archives. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just was thinking, like, there's a lot of benefit in doing that kind of research beforehand because, I mean, yes. like you were saying, like, there's things that you didn't know and you wouldn't have pulled out um, just on your own. And giving like those like interviews like that give you this perspective that might inspire a different location or a different yes. idea or a different sort of dialogue than you would have naturally done. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I don't ever do my research. On the end. I, I mean, you know how much I love TK and I use yeah. it very heavily in my first drafts. <laughs> and so if there's something that I have to describe or something I have to go research or some little fact I need, like I just put in TK and like move on. Um, but the, the benefit of not doing that and doing some of your research ahead of time is that you can get inspiration that you might not have otherwise had. Yeah. That's really yeah. great. It's interesting because I, I I love that you said that because I don't think there's one right way of doing it. No, I, yeah, definitely. Like I I think there's there is those benefits based yeah. on different projects, and I think they both have like that pro and con. Yes, <laughs> like totally, to it. totally. I think the way I do it, I finish drafts faster. I don't Absolutely. Get down the rabbit hole of research too much, but I Absolutely. also lose out on some little things that I might that might be really beneficial to the story too. So yeah, it's pros and cons. Yeah. And it's interesting how like with characters, it is funny how sometimes you might get to the end and you all of a sudden realize that your character is different than you thought. And yeah, like, I've actually true. gotten to that point where I saw that interview with the woman who's who was the electrician and she actually had a big influence on one of my characters that mm. that the character had changed by the time I got to the end of the first draft and I I love that how like it, it can happen like change can happen throughout you can have sure. research like I think keeping that open to the mm. influence of research of okay like what what could be and what then when when I find this piece of information what then makes sense and, yeah. and does it make sense that it influences the story that much or is it not worth it like yeah in this case I was so motivated by that I was very passionate about how that character should be and thankfully that that character was a little more in the um I hadn't done a lot of character work with 
them and they're more of a side character I think they were able to be a little more active because I was able to add that flesh um, yeah. and add a little more perspective to that character as as then I went into the the next drafts yeah. and, and I think as we like talk about research even about how it works from like individual and uh, even listening to other historical writers talk oh. about it. Uh, a lot of them have like, this is my process and it's very specific or it might be a certain number of days that they do certain things. Reminding yourself that it's like, well, like, yes, that that might be something that works for them, but yeah. listen to yourself and listen to your project because- Yeah, you can have your own process. <laughs> Uh, and even your unique and individual project, it, there's this great video by K.M. Wyland, and there's actually two of them, and I'm going to link them in the notes, where, like, the, the first video, she's like, this is what I learned from this book. And she's like, I cap it at three months. And then she's talking about it, like, five years later, and she's like, yeah, I used to say I cap it at three months, and then it went to a year, and then I don't cap it anymore. <laughs> like, it's just funny how, even for the individual, that, that change, yeah. could change and just depend on what it is you're working on. Um, like from my perspective of like, how do you know when you're done? And like, how do you mm. know when there's enough to, research? Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was able to figure out like the story, the line of the story, I started writing, even, yeah. even though there was more research to do. And I researched as I wrote, um, which was an interesting, an interesting way of doing it. I'm not sure that I would do it that way again, but for this specific project, it worked really well um, mm. because as I got to certain scenes, I knew what I did not have um, yeah. in order to be able to write. And even after that first and second draft were done, and I'm actually, waiting on doing a final draft because I want to I'm hopefully going to Australia next year and I want to walk several of the places like with my actual feet which you don't have to do like you don't have to actually go to your settings um and I could probably get around with not doing it but there's certain things I really wanted to get right um mm. And I also have a museum I'd like to go to um, just to to see if there's anything I left on the, on the table that's there. Yeah. Um, but that's personal preference. I, I would say that kind of figuring out what, you know, if you don't know anything at all about the time in which you're, you're writing, definitely yeah. doing a lot of research up front makes sense if you have your story and you know pretty much how people talk and act within the you know time frame maybe doing it later also mm -hmm. makes sense so like mm -hmm. I think sitting with those things and just listening to the project and seeing what's what's there even if it feels unconventional <laughs> I, yeah. I had a story that came very last minute um to that second draft and mm -hmm. but it was a story that the second I heard it and it was from an uncle so it, it's interesting like I keep getting family stories coming in yeah and yeah. it was something that his dad who this story is about had told him 
mm. about um, working on one of the runways of, of an accident an accident that had occurred and it huh. it was one of those things that the second I heard it I'm like I have it has to be a part of this story like it's yeah it's the truth and it's also like something that's resonant with something else that's going to happen later so mm. it almost like was this unbelievable story but that was the truth and that also like foreshadowed something it was it was kind of one of those crazy weird moments that you're like yeah. ah. <laughs> um and that's I think also listening when something like that happens when like you have the awe moment where you're like, oh, this, you feel it resonating with the other things that you're trying to create. I think rem yeah. reminding yourself that even if you told yourself you weren't going to go back in or you weren't going to do more research, like open it up and uh, yeah. allow yeah. yourself to kind of have that freedom to explore um, when something comes that, that really does belong and that really does make sense within it yeah. um i i did a lot of looking at the books that i've kind of been reading that historical fiction wise just to see what they did with like how they talked about their research and mm. um like i said I'll, I'll include some of those videos that i talked about um ruda Sepetis is she has the greatest, the back of the book mm. stuff. If you ever are going to be doing something in a time frame that she's written about, pick up her books and just go through her like resources because they are amazing and fantastic. That's cool. Um, she includes them like that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really in detail. And uh, uh, other historical writers like Monica Hess. Um, Laurie Halsey Anderson, Julia Kelly, Kate Quinn, um, even um, Madeline Miller, who wrote Thirsty, mm -hmm. um, they have something about their history in the back. They, they put the history in context, which was really useful. Um, there's two, um, we were talking about kind of broader scope sto stories, but there's two really unique and specific scope stories that um, I read that actually felt a little more um, akin to what I'm writing because they're both on a very personal, personal. Uh -huh. and um, individual scope, but they also are in unique settings that don't have a lot of other stories told mm -hmm. within that time frame. Um, and that was um, A Death Struck Year by um, <laughs> Makia Lucier. Um, Lucier, I think. Um, and she wrote actually something about the Spanish influenza um, mm -hmm. of 1918, but from the perspective of, or like in Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, and she, like how she talks about how she went um, about researching it um, was really fascinating. So um, that's part of like the historical note um, mm -hmm. at the end. And I, I really liked that detail that she included yeah. and and all the details she included of how she found the information mm. um it, it was also like that book is actually really fascinating to read it was written before the pandemic and to read like I read it during, during and yeah. it was a very interesting read from that perspective but it's also one that I think uses some of the interesting setting features of the place really well, like the mm -hmm. lack of technology, the lack of communication, like she does yeah. a really good job of getting into the mindset of when something catastrophic happens, not being able to 
communicate. Yeah. We kind of take that for granted. Um, and I loved that about it. And then um, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society, um, Potato mm. Peel Pie Society, sorry, um, by Mary Ann Schaefer and um, Annie Burroughs. Um, it's also a Netflix film, which I highly recommend. Um, but they, this was, someone took a trip to the Channel Islands um, and wasn't aware that the that um, the Germans had occupied those islands. So the Channel mm. Islands being between England and France. Yeah. And basically, um, <laughs> she went on a um, trip and went to a bunch of different places in Guernsey and kind of came up with this story. She had this kind of resonance with the place. And I just mm. thought it was a fascinating way of approaching it. It also was written, was co-written. And um, I believe that she passed, the main author, Marianne Schaefer, passed away mm. at the end of the writing. So I believe it was her niece who um, took Finished. over. Yeah. Um, so it was a family story of mm. kind of working, this family working together on the, to tell this story and to get it out mm. into the world, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and just the research side of like the maps and, and how the story developed, because sometimes you don't know what you want to say and then yes. you dig into the world and all of a sudden the, the story starts coming to you. And mm. so I think reminding ourselves that you might have the story before or you might have it after, but that's okay, you know, after the research yeah. starts. Um, however, yeah, either way it works, but it's kind of just letting yourself be open to the process and to what you might discover. And that curiosity yeah. piece, like curiosity, I think is so important for, for a writer in any realm, you know, like we, our stories start with questions, don't they? Like what would, yes. what would happen? And what if this, and, um, and research is just sort of an extension of that, where we, we ask a different sort of questions and like, what did happen? And, and what was that like? So I hope that you all keep researching and keep writing, yep. <laughs> keep being curious about the world and, and putting your work out into the world.